Well, turn with me in your Bible, please, to the book of Habakkuk. We're turning to the book of Habakkuk, please, and the chapter 1. We're turning to our little series that we've been doing in these summer months. Has God gone missing? Habakkuk, please, and the chapter 1. And we're returning to this title that we considered a number of weeks ago, A Wandering Faith. And we'll come to a second study in this under this particular title, A Wandering Faith. Habakkuk chapter 1, please, and we'll read from the verse 1 and we'll read through the whole chapter to get our context again. And this is the word of the Lord, and it reads, The burden which Habakkuk the prophet did see. O Lord, how long shall I cry, and thou wilt not hear? Even cry out unto thee of violence, and thou wilt not see it. Why dost thou show me iniquity, and cause me to behold grievance? For spoiling and violence are before me, and there are that raise up strife and contention. Therefore the law is slacked, and judgment doth never go forth. For the wicked doth compass about the righteous, therefore wrong judgment proceedeth. Of course, this was Habakkuk's long prayer, and here in verse 5, the Lord begins his answer to his prayer. And the Lord begins to speak and says, Behold ye among the heathen, behold you among the nations, and regard and wonder marvelously, for I will work a work in your days which ye will not believe, though it be told you. For lo, I raise up the Chaldeans. That better and hasty nation which shall march through the breadth of the land to possess the dwelling places that are not theirs. They are terrible and dreadful. Their judgment and their dignity shall proceed of themselves. Their horses also are swifter than the leopards and are more fierce than the evening wolves. And their horsemen shall spread themselves and their horsemen shall come from far. They shall fly as the eagle that hasteth to eat. They shall come all for violence. Their faces shall sup up as the east wind, and they shall gather the captivity as the sand, and they shall scoff at the kings, and the princes shall be scorned unto them. They shall deride every stronghold, for they shall heap dust and take it. Then shall his mind change, and he shall pass over, and offend, imputing this his power unto his God. And we hear Habakkuk's voice return again in verse 12, and he says to the Lord, Art thou not from everlasting, O Lord my God, mine Holy One? We shall not die. O Lord, thou hast ordained them for judgment, and, O mighty God, thou hast established them for correction. Thou art of purer eyes than to behold evil, and canst not look on iniquity. Wherefore lookest thou upon them that deal treacherously, and holdest thy tongue when the wicked devoureth the man that is more righteous than he? And makest men as the fishes of the sea, as the creeping things that have no ruler over them. They take up all of them with the angle. They catch them in their net and gather them in their drag. Therefore they rejoice and are glad. Therefore they sacrifice unto their net and burn incense unto their drag. Because by them their portion is fat and their meat plenteous. Shall they therefore empty their net? And not spare continually to slay the nations. 
We trust the Lord will bless the reading of his word to each of our hearts as we come to his word today. Let's just pray with our Bibles open before us on our laps. Our Father, we thank thee that just now we have reached the climax of our meeting. We have reached the most important part. For Father, your word is now open before us. And Father, we have come and gathered in this place today to hear from thee. So Father, we pray with the Bible open before us that your voice would speak. Father, I pray that you would mark me out for a fresh filling of your spirit. And I pray, Father, that only the words that you would have me to say would be said today. And that, Father, indeed, you would minister to each heart. Hear our prayer, O God. Speak to our hearts. Make the book live. And make it live in each of us. We ask this for thy glory. And in the Saviour's name. Amen. Now, last time that we looked at these verses in Habakkuk, we had began the study and we had entitled it the wandering, our wandering faith. And of course, at the beginning of chapter 1, we had considered the wavering prophet as his faith wavered as he considered an unanswered prayer. Remember his prayer in the opening verses. He had cried out for a long time. And we read in verse 2 that he cries out and he says, How long shall I cry and you will not hear? But then came God's unexpected answer to the prophet and God was coming in judgment and he was going to use the Chaldeans, the Babylonians. And then when we considered last time, we saw how Habakkuk and his confusion as he considered that God was sending this evil nation to, to destroy the land and take over the land of Judah. As he thought about what God was doing, he asked himself the question, who is the God that I serve? We heard the challenge of the Lord to our hearts as we asked the question, do we really know the God who we serve? Am I familiar with all his ways or do I just know the parts that make me feel great? And it seemed that God's answer to prayer as far as Habakkuk was concerned, it didn't answer the prayer at all. In fact, more trouble was on the way. The Babylonians were coming. But instead of giving up and throwing the towel in, the prophet did a very smart thing. He backed away from his problem and he backs off from the swamp and he gets on to solid ground. Can I ask you today, dear believer, are you in the swamp of despair as you come to the Lord's house today? Maybe something has happened within the family and you feel like you're sinking in that swamp of your trouble. Maybe, maybe there's been trouble at work in the past week. Maybe each day seems so difficult and it's getting harder and harder. Maybe it's your health. Maybe it's your spouse's health. Maybe it's concerns and worries for others who are unwell in the family. And maybe, like Habakkuk, you're asking questions and you're worried and you're in despair. Well, remember what Habakkuk did as we considered the last time. He backed up onto solid ground and he remembered who God was. And as we considered verses 12 and 13, as we saw the prophet hit the pause button, we reminded ourselves of who God is. That's what Habakkuk did in his season of despair. And he reminded himself that God is eternal. Remember in verse 12, as he thought about these Babylonians who were coming, he said, Art thou not from everlasting? 
verse 11, he's been thinking about the Chaldean gods and the Chaldeans were going to come down, they were going to wipe out Israel and Habakkuk was told by God that when they did it, they would think that their own God enabled them to do it and they would start praising their own God. And we can almost hear Habakkuk say, wait a minute, their God, what is their God? What is he? Why my God is the God of eternity from everlasting. That's what I know. My God is the true and living God. He's nothing like the God of the Chaldeans who is dead and futile. My God is the God of all nations. That's what I know. My God was there before time ever began. My God is the God of time. In fact, he created time. He's the eternal one. And Habakkuk considered the God he served and the God who he loved and cared for him. And he reminded himself that God is eternal. But not only that, we read on in verse 12 and we were reminded that God is mighty. God is mighty. For remember how we read, he said, O Lord, my God, mine Holy One, we shall not die. O Lord, thou hast ordained them for judgment. And O mighty God, thou hast established them for correction. He says, first of all, O Lord, Yahweh, Jehovah, I am that I am. Reminding us of the mightiness of God. And then later, later on in verse 12, he says, O mighty one and God he's not dependent on us praise God he does not need us he is self-existent and Habakkuk knew that God is almighty and in his problem as he backed out of that swamp onto solid ground he reminded himself that first of all the God who he served and who loved him was the eternal God of all eternity who created all things who even created time itself and he was reminded that God indeed is mighty The theological term would be God is omnipotent, El Shaddai, the Almighty One. That's the God who he served. We also reminded ourselves last time, not only that God is eternal, not only that God is mighty, but thirdly, that God is personal. Because in verse 12, we see these words, O Lord, my God, mine Holy One. How good it is as the child of God to be able to say, mine, mine, mine. I know. Thou art mine. Yes, God is eternal. Yes, he doesn't need us. He's mighty. But he's a loving father. And he's a good shepherd. And in the trial that you go through in difficulties, here's the truth. You must remember this eternal and mighty God, this holy one, is yours, dear child of God. I don't know what you go through. I don't know what enters your mind. Whether you're doubting yourself and your situation whether you're doubting the, the God you serve, I don't know what it is. But whatever you do, never lose the sense that you're a child of God and that you belong to him. My God, says Habakkuk, mine, holy one. God is holy. That was the next thing that we reminded ourselves of. Of course, in verse 12, we read, mine, holy one. But we can also see at the beginning of verse 13 that Habakkuk says, thou art of purer eyes than to behold evil. Then the fifth thing we reminded ourselves was this, God is faithful. Look at it, look at it with me here in verse 12, he said, we shall not die. Habakkuk, he was in solid ground. 
And he remembered the promise made to Abraham, that covenant made with Abraham, which was confirmed with Isaac, which was confirmed with Jacob, which was confirmed with David. And God said it again and again and again. And he remembers that God is faithful. The prophet couldn't forget that God said, I will be their God. And they shall be my people. And now he stands in solid ground, even in his time of trouble. So last time we started to get a sense that of Habakkuk and how he backed onto that solid ground. And he said in verse 13, Thou art of purer eyes than to behold evil, and canst not look on iniquity. Wherefore, he says, he starts to doubt again, and he asks another question. Sometimes we ask this question, it's why. Why? Thou art of purer eyes, verse 13, than to behold evil, and canst not look on iniquity. And he says, Wherefore lookest thou upon them that deal treacherously? What are you using the Chaldeans for? And holdest thy tongue when the wicked devoureth the man that is more righteous than he? He asked the question, Lord, I'm, I'm okay in the first part. I understand that you're the eternal God. I understand that you're sovereign and you know what you're doing. But why them? Why them? I know that this judgment is going to come because the nation of Israel have disobeyed you. They've broken your law and wrath must fall. That's okay, Lord. It's going to happen. It's going to come. God, in your time, you're running it. That's all right. But, he says... I've got one other problem, Lord, that I need a little bit of help on. And he says this, why are you using the Chaldeans? If you think we're bad, have you been noticing them? They're an awful lot worse than we are. You know something, he was right. He was right. Look at the end of verse 13, we've read it. Like, why do you hold your tongue when the wicked, the Chaldeans, are devouring the man that is more righteous than he? Why are you letting an unholy nation, the Babylonians, come and destroy us, Lord? Why would you allow that to happen? I mean, how could God think that they were fit to be anybody's judge? How could God possibly think that they were less godless than Israel? I mean, they were in worse shape. And then the question comes up, how can a holy God use an unholy instrument. You know, I've heard people ask this question many times. People say, well, how could God use an unholy nation and people in this world for his purpose? How, how could a holy God use an unholy instrument? It's a good question to ask. And in all honesty, I don't know how he does. Believe it or not, there are some questions that I cannot answer. We'll never be able to answer. But this I do know. God uses unholy people all the time. Do you know that? If all God had to use was holy instruments, he would be very limited in his resources. But we find Habakkuk here, and he's wrestling with God, and he's asking the question, why? You see, the Chaldeans, they trusted their mighty military machine. It's called their net. In verses 16 and 17, they call it their net. That was their military machine. And it was as if they were just catching nations, as if they were just fish to catch. And then as their net went out, they were just destroying all the nations around them and stomping them out. They were mighty in their military and they worshipped their powerful military. They literally treated the nations around them like fish to catch and they stamped all around them as if they were just insects. In verse 17, 
Uh, it says there, are they just going to keep slaying nations? Habakkuk says, are you just going to let them keep doing this, Lord? Why? You know, even if you're saved, you know the gospel, even though you may have a knowledge about who God is, it still doesn't eradicate or erase the big question of life. Why? wonder, do you ever find yourself asking the question, why? Did the Lord Jesus hanging on the cross not know who God was? Of course he did. Did he not know why he was there? Did he not know the special relationship that he had between Father Eternal and Son Eternal? Of course he did. But he still cried, why? Hast thou forsaken me? It's the cry of the barren womb. Why? It's the cry of the bereaved parent. Why? It's the cry of the person in that tragic accident disabled. Why, God? What is the purpose? What is the logic behind all of this? And what Habakkuk tried to do was he he tried to bring God down to his own logic and he tried to put God in a box to understand him. But his ways are so much higher than ours and his thoughts so much loftier than ours. They're more sinful than I am, says Habakkuk. Do you ever get caught doing that? Playing spiritual top trumps with those around you? I have at times to my shame. Look at them. They aren't living as well for God as I am. We all get in our holy high horse, looking around us in the church, comparing how great we are in comparison to everyone else. And something happens and we wonder, why me? Why not them? Look at how all I'm doing for the Lord, but I end up with all the problems. Why? Well, let's pause and take a look at what God says about that. Habakkuk's problem was that he was asking the wrong question. His question shouldn't have been, why then? The question should have been, who is more righteous? Who is more righteous? Was Habakkuk more righteous than the Chaldeans? What does scripture teach us about our spiritual state? The Bible says, and if we could let this sink into our souls this morning, there is none righteous. There is none righteous. Not one. You know, as I pondered that thought afresh in the study this week, I was rebuked in my own soul at the many times that I think more of myself than I ought to. You see, in God's eyes, all that mattered was this, not who sinned less or who sinned more, but there was, uh, there was none more righteous than the other. There is none righteous, no, not one. There is none that doeth good. This was Habakkuk's misconception because in God's sight it isn't one nation over another. All in his eyes are sinners and all that God was interested in and is interested in is repentance. You see, God doesn't ask us how full your bucket of sin is. When you got saved, that wasn't what God was asking. He didn't ask how deep died in sin or how hell-deserving you were. All he wanted to know was how sorry in your soul, how mournful you were, how repentant you were. Compare yourself to this book before us, the Bible, and weigh your life up against this book. That's what we need to do, not compare ourselves to each other. You know, when I think about the prophet, there's much to admire because he had many questions, didn't he? But he was so patient. 
And I want you to notice his patience. He waited. The patient prophet, instead of giving up on God and becoming an atheist or agnostic, he exercises patience and he goes up to his watchtower to pray. Patience. You know, the story is told how Philip Brooks, a famous American preacher, was one day found pacing around his office. The man found him and he inquired, What's the trouble, Dr. Brooks? He replied, What's the trouble? I'm in a hurry. And God isn't. You know, this is so easy to preach. And it's so easy for each of us to say. But so very difficult to practice. We must learn to wait on the Lord. Habakkuk, he's starting to left out of the valley. And in the beginning of chapter 2, we'll consider it next week in the Lord's will. He goes up to the watchtower and he's going to watch and see what the Lord will say to him. And we find in the book of Isaiah in chapter 40 and verse 31 these words, They that wait upon the Lord will renew their strength. Habakkuk didn't become cold-hearted in his despair. And no matter how many questions he had in his faith, it was being tried, it was being tested, and he had a lot to grapple with. And the problems of the contem- of contemporary life in his day, they were weighing him down. And the problems of contemporary life today can weigh us down. But Habakkuk remained on fire for his God, and that's what mattered. Dear friend, dear believer, Moses hid in the cleft of the rock. And what are we told happened when he hid in the cleft of the rock? He stood waiting, and it says this, till he saw the glory of God parade by him in all his majesty. But he had to wait. It says of Balaam that he went aside to stand, and I quote, in waiting for the revelation that God would bring to him. In Numbers 23, verse 3, we find that Balaam had to wait. Moses waited. Balaam waited. It says of Elijah that he was commanded to go to the mount and stand in waiting for the revelation that God would come. But he had to wait. Trusting God even when it's difficult. I'm sure you may have heard this illustration many times. Blondin was a world-famous tightrope walker, and early in 1859, Blondin decided that he would be the first to walk a tightrope stretched across Niagara Falls, 1,100 feet long, 160 feet in the air. And the event was promoted, and the crowds came to watch, and he went back and forward on the tightrope five times each time, proving to the crowd that he could do it. And they started to have faith that he could do it. And he went back and forward with no pole and he he took a chair halfway and sat down on the chair. And then he took some juggling pins and juggled them halfway across and then he took a hot plate and he made himself lunch. And every trip across the crowd got louder and louder. And for the last trip he, he, he decided to take it up one more notch. How much faith did the crowd really have in him? He produced a wheelbarrow. And he asked for he asked for a volunteer to go across in it. And the crowd fell silent. And it seemed like no one had faith in him when it came to their own life. You know, sometimes we can be like that with God, can't we? We have faith. 
but not for our own life. Or sometimes we, we bring our burden to the Lord in prayer, and instead of leaving it there, we take them all with us again. But we're called to leave our worries and concerns with the Lord. To be patient as God teaches us. As he increases and deepens our faith in him. You know in verse 3 of chapter 2. We see these words, wait for it. Wait. God says that they need to wait. I wonder, like Habakkuk, have you got a problem today? Some perplexity? What have you done with it? Have you brooded over it? Have you talked to others about it? Have you gossiped about it? Or have you said, like Habakkuk at the beginning of chapter 2, I'm going to my watchtower. And I'm going to the heights. And I'm going to look to God. And I'm going to look to God alone. I'm waiting in him only. Faith means I take the word of God as it is. Why? Because it's God's word and only because it's God's word. It means I believe what God said because he said it. That's why. It means that I base my whole life on God to live by faith. It means that I trust God. And I'll tell you something. Maybe you say, ah, but Peter, you don't know what I'm going through today. No, I don't. You're right. But look at Habakkuk. His nation's about to be crushed by the Chaldeans. Many are going to die. And as he takes his step back, he waits in the Lord. Keith and Kirsten Getty have penned that lovely hymn, I will wait for you. On your word I will rely, they say, I will wait for you. I will wait for you until my soul is satisfied. When the questions of life come, What do we need to do? Well, we need to remember who God is. And we need to wait on the Lord. I leave you with the words of Paul that are found in Romans chapter 11 and verse 33 to 36. This is what it says there. Oh, the depth of the riches of the wisdom and knowledge of God. How unsearchable are his judgments. And his ways past finding out. For who has known the mind of the Lord? Or who has become his counsellor? Or who has first given to him and it shall be repaid to him? For him, for of him and through him are all things. To whom be glory forever. Amen. Let's pray. Our Father, we realize that times in this life can be so tough that we are called to go through trials and we face temptations in every day of life. There are times that we confess that we do ask the question, why? There are times that we don't place our faith and trust in you as we ought. Father, we come just now and we confess that and we repent of that and we plead for your forgiveness. 
We thank you, Father, that we can approach your throne at all times because the Lord Jesus Christ has made that possible. As he did, completed the work of Calvary and shed his precious blood. And it's through that blood that we approach your throne just now. Father, I pray for all those who listen. Father, I know that there are burdens and concerns in each heart. And oh God, I pray that you will pour in your grace and your help, your peace in these days. And that, Father, you would teach each of us to lean wholly on you. That, Father, we would be like Habakkuk and in our despair that we would take a step back. That we would be still and know that thou art God. Father, we pray that indeed as we go out into this new week, that, Father, each of us will know that presence with us, that nearness that, Father, you would minister to each heart, each day. Hear us, O God, as we pray. We ask this in the Saviour's name. Amen.